Blog Talk Radio. Original one. Uh, 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 uh
But before we can have an adequate discussion around institution building, one of the things I think is important for people to, to digest is the destructive nature of capitalism. You know, often we talk about the decline of capitalism, and what we don't understand often is that behind the scenes of the states, which are so critical in terms of the entire union, states' funds are systematically being reduced and uh, to, the, to the point with having a devastating impact on the overall economy terms of bankrupting the states are continuing. So it's a very, very interesting paradox. So I thought I'd write this a little bit in terms of, you know, um, there's some of the uh, things behind the scene that people have to be cognizant of when we talk about the decline of capitalism and understand clearly why we talk about the decline of capitalism. For any event, Brother Africa, check this out. Now, the impact of the U.S. government uh, closing factories and shipping jobs abroad has adversely affected the economy, economic climate to the point of severe economic decline. Nowhere is this decline more evident than fiscal debt impacting states' economies. Historically, state economies were supported by government revenue sharing that saw the federal government sharing revenues with states to ensure states had the adequate resources they need to provide for their population. A policy that was once proclaimed, once proclaimed state and federal revenues in conjunction should be used to utilize and enrich the entire nation was no longer relevant. Instead, a new economic philosophy took, would take precedent where the interest of capital would take priority and the states must fend for themselves. In 2001, revenue sharing was abolished and replaced with block grants, whereby funds dispersed by the federal government were insufficient to assist states in obtaining the resources they needed to provide for their population. These changes to state funding were deemed essential by Wall Street elites, who reasoned providing states with revenue were akin to throwing good money after bad, the money that could be used to further investments were used instead on states which, who lacked maximized investment returns. Interestingly, interestingly, increasingly, this view gained legitimacy. With a recession at hand and unemployment at precedent levels, access to capital was at a premium. Augmented by global stock market collapse, facilitated by 9-11 event, a dot-com bubble collapse resulting from overinvestment in Internet companies, an unprecedented level of corporate financial corruption, i.e. Enron, Tyco, etc., these events underscored the reasoning behind ending government's generosity of sharing with states and implementing instead austerity for states, just freeing up revenues for capitalists to increase investments for themselves. Now, part of the strategy to redirect funds from the states by extension of people to Wall Street was the global war on terror. Enacted, enacted by former President George W. Bush, the doctrine sought to proclaim the entire planet a war zone whereby U.S. military intervention is justified under the guise of fighting terrorism. This doctrine was extremely profitable and the level of investments in military institutions increased vociferously. Pentagon investments increased from $331 billion at the start of the global war on terror in 2001 to $725 billion currently, not including overseas contingency operation expenditures. Despite these investments, according to the Office of Management and Budget, the U.S. budget deficit skyrocketed to over $128 billion, uh, currently stands at $2.77 trillion. Ironically, the key to growing an economy is the flow of money through the system as a means of increasing the money supply. Investments in state make possible the multiplier effect, which not only does the money supply increases, but makes possible money velocity increases, which facilitate employment. Investments in military infrastructure does the exact opposite. Such investments increase budget deficits and contribute to wealth inequalities, negatively impacting the GDP of the nation. Now, consequently, unemployment only worsens because the capital needed to stimulate the economy does not exist. Instead, a small group of capitalists benefit from investments, but these funds are not distributed through the system. 
offshore accounts, accounting schemes, ensure monies needed to circulate through the economy is, is absent, ensuring high levels of unemployment in states and the inability of cash-strapped states to address unemployment and the social costs affiliated with lack of jobs. Now, the devastation to states in need of funding from the federal government is evident, particularly in lieu of COVID-19. Declining consumer spending and corporate debt, evident of recession according to CNBC Economics, has undermined states' ability to fund needed programs, address public health crisis, or, or avoiding spending cuts resulting from crippling inflation, resulting from government's excessive money printing to benefit capital. Declining consumer spending directly impacts states' coffers. Absent financial support from the federal government, states depend on income taxes, sales taxes, and property taxes for revenue. Unfortunately, without employment or high levels of unemployment, if you will, the ability of states to create revenues is compromised. Finding Funding deficits by states are further exacerbated by budget deficits estimated in a range of $360 to $500 billion per state. This, this, these state deficits likely will continue to increase, given the resources for state revenues are increasingly finding it difficult to navigate an economy that states itself must borrow to remain afloat. Income tax are holding big business, by big businesses are declining, unemployment proliferating, elevating the very real possibility of going out of business. The stock market's contribution to taxes, even under the best of economic conditions, is paltry, are now witnessing dividend payments too low to attract adequate investors on stocks, and now must depend on Wall Street to buy their debt. Obviously, as a source of revenue for states, banking on the stock market may not be a wise decision. If state, excuse me, if state, if the state cannot depend on financial institutions for rev, for sufficient revenue, then perhaps the federal government. That would be a wrong. That would be a wrong. It would be wrong to conclude such a thing. As I alluded to before, political decisions were made earlier to divert funds from the public sector or the state to the private sector or Wall Street. During this process, it was agreed military investments would be a key component in enhancing capital's access to more wealth, utilizing war and plunder on a global scale to expropriate or steal wealth from other nations. In the process, the government was sidelined, and the interests of the people were no longer a concern for the federal government. Now, the process to consolidate inaction of the federal government ensure legalized bribing was encoded in law, culminating in the best politicians money could buy. In the case of President Biden's Build Back Better Act, politicians on both sides of the political aisle opposed the needed program because of the cost. Originally, President Biden accepted the $6 trillion bill put forth by Senator Bernie Sanders. Attempting to appease Republicans and corporate Democrats, the bill's expenditures was reduced to $3.5 trillion and most recently down to $1.5 trillion over a 10-year period. The bill specifically provides financing for climate change infrastructure, child care, medical expansion. Of course, with the medical expansion, it does include dental or, or, dental or, or vision, affordable housing and health care provision. Ironically, the, the final bill eliminated two free years of community college and reduced prescription drug prices and ex, an, extension for, an extension of child care tax credit for the working poor. Now, given the need for the state's $1.5 trillion expenditure over 10 years pairs in comparison to military expenditures, Congress is currently contemplating passing $778 trillion defense opposition bill, which is four times the, the ex expenditures for Build Back Better Act. If building the economy requires investment in people via the state, what message is being conveyed by Congress willing to pour money into military programs that will only ex expedite more suffering more injustice, and more killing, both locally and abroad. Clearly, this propensity for destruction is revealing itself daily. 
If violence is endemic to the tenets of capitalism, why would anyone perceive themselves secure when clearly poor people lives, 90% of the U.S. population, do not have value? Build Back Better provision, which outlines endorsements for tax cuts for the wealthy, is a clear indication of what and who really matters in this economy, and we've got to be very, very clear on the implications as as concerns the human aspirations in American society. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa. All right. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'd like to introduce Brother Anthony. Welcome to Africa on the Moon, Brother Anthony. Hey, thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. And finally, Brother Anthony, we now will bring in our sister Eleanor. We'd like to welcome her to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Good evening to you, Brother Africa, all of the panelists, our guests, and our listening audience. Thank you so much for participating. I have to remind the world that stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people living under Israeli apartheid, as well as the women and children of the earth and Mother Earth itself. Thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this evening's forum. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, and we now will go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. And I hope to say that women hold up half the sky. That's why I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And uh, we're in the struggle to... uh, convince people and competing for the hearts and minds of the people in, in all terms of uh, scientific socialism and the need to organize the many to defeat the few. The, the, the objects and interests of the 1% is totally against the interests of the masses of the people, and we have to educate people to that effect. And I'll just leave it right there. Thank you, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show. We are always honored to have you, Brother Moses, and to our listening audience. This is Brother Africa. This is Africa on the move. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we're going to have a, a short segment on what's going on in your world and the community, followed by a statement for the Million Women March, and then we'll bring on our special guest tonight, Brother Willie Ricks. But we know him as Brother McCossel. He's a internationally revolutionary pan-Africanist. And he will come and share his experiences with us 
We were discussing various issues from Cuba to Venezuela to Ethiopia, Eritrean, just all about issues that are going on in the Pan-African world. We hope that you come and join us and have a dialogue with this dynamic revolutionary Pan-African brother. So let's pause for this cause, and when we come back, we will continue the discussion. This is Africa on the Move.
We welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. We don't know who set the world on fire, but we know who will continue to keep it on fire as we make our transition to what's going on in your world and the community. We are honored to have with us um, Sister Empachi, who is the convener and founder of the Million Woman Movement and Mark, and she will give us an update on that particular movement right now. So we'd like to welcome her back to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Sister Empress. Hey. How are you this evening? How are you doing, Sister? How are you doing? Oh, just wonderful, wonderful, with all things considered. (laughs) Well, you know, we just got back from the Midwest region. We were in Chicago and Detroit last week to really move forward with our boots on the ground uh, campaign that is uh, connected to the We Charge Genocide 21 project. So I thank you for uh, inviting me to, you know, come on and, and provide an update. And also, of course, to encourage our people to really get involved now, because now is really the time. This is the 70th year commemoration of Paul Robeson and William Patterson taking the We Charge Genocide petition to the United Nations uh, on December 17, uh, 1951. And so we, we are looking at asking questions now in terms of, you know, what have we really accomplished in these 70 years, and particularly as it pertains to the issue of human rights. So what the Million Women March and the Universal Movements have done Uh, Also, as we get ready for our 25-year anniversary commemoration, which is next year, we've kind of combined some things because we realize that, um, you know, it's kind of an uphill battle when you just talk about women's issues and particularly black women's, African women's issues. So what we realized is that it was in our best interest to kind of do something, things, something simultaneously. And so the We Charge Genocide 21 enables us to do that, along with continuing the 20, almost 25 years of straight commitment and work uh, for uplifting our women and girls. And note, not just in the U.S., but throughout the African diaspora. That was always our mission. And we started in the U.S., but of course, it was always the projection to focus on developing the first global movement for women and girls of African descent worldwide. And now we've done that, and next year we will uh, solidify that with a year-long kind of celebration and commemoration, celebrating the great achievements of African women, black women worldwide for an entire year. But at any rate, the We Charge Genocide 21 is in effect now as we speak. Again, this is the 70th year commemoration of Paul Robeson, William Patterson. So on December the 10th, which is actually International Human Rights Day, we will have a Zoom forum and dealing with the issue of focusing on the issue of human rights. And with us, note, we are We Trust Inside 21. That differentiates us from anything and anyone else because we're focusing on 21 points, 21 areas of crimes against humanity. So it's not just police and governmental terrorism, but also environmental racism, COINTELPRO, the crack cocaine uh, epidemic or, or, you know, the the infusement of that in our communities, mass incarceration, needless to say gentrification, and certainly our political prisoners. 
these are areas that we have cited as crimes against humanity and i.e. genocide. Today's 21st century type of genocide is different from 1948 and times thereafter. So where, where many consider or look at genocide with, you know, you're getting your hands chopped off, your head chopped off, or being put in the oven. Well, in the 21st century, genocide is a lot more sophisticated, yet the ethnic cleansing is still quite evident along with eugenics. And so ours is, again, we charge genocide 21. If you want more information, you can go to our website, which is wcg21.com. Uh, it's still under construction, but there's still good information there ready. We'll be finished uh, by the end of next week. It'll be completed, and you will see, of course, some of the other projections, such as the first uh, summit that'll take place Labor Day 2022, We Charge Genocide 21 will have a reparatory justice summit in Washington, D.C., along with the first pre-plebiscite convention. If you want more information, you can, of course, contact us at nationalmwm at aol.com. Again, nationalmwm at aol.com, or you can call or text us at area code 267-636-3802. Again, 267-636-3802. We're really asking for our brothers and sisters and organizations to support Write an endorsement letter, send a donation, uh, become a member of the Movement for Black Human Rights. And again, December 10th, we'll be talking about the work of the great Malcolm X, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, as it pertains to his work in, in uh, focusing on human rights for our people. Okay, my sister, we'd like to thank you for giving us an update on what's going on in the Million Women Monster Movement, and please keep us informed. We thank you very much. And thank you, Brother Africa. All right, to our listening audience, this is Africa on the Move. We will continue the discussion on what's going on in your world and community by entertaining our theme tonight, which is a discussion with a revolutionary pan Africanist from Cuba to Venezuela to Ethiopia, Trend, and to the whole Pan-African movement. We're going to have this discussion with our beloved brother, Baba Mikasa Ricks, and we would like to t um, share with you that you can join in with us by calling 323-679-0841. We will continue the discussion after this quick revolutionary break. This is Africa on the Move. We'll be back with Baba Mikasa Ricks. Living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know. I must be strong to last 
my journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to Africa on the Move. As your host, Brother Africa, we're going to be in the seat tonight, and we're going to take the heat, because as we define it, we're going to stand behind it. And we had this revolutionary brother, a civil rights icon. He's a freedom fighter. He's a brother who don't take no mess. And mama and papa know the best, according to Jane Brown. We'd like to introduce to you our beloved brother, Mikasa Ricks. Uh, this brother been working for our people ever since or as far back as the early and late 60s. He wants to see our people free. He wants to see Mother Africa free. So we're going to indulge him today on picking his brains a little bit. We want to know what's going on in these countries such as Cuba, Venezuela, Ethiopia, Trend, and the whole Pan-African movement, and how we can participate. We would like to hear some of his analysis. Well, how do we move African people forward? But like we said, this is an iconic brother, and we are honored to have him. And right now, we're not going to hold you no longer. We'd like to bring in Brother Mikasa, and we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Mikasa. Well, thank you, and Africa's on the move. Thank you, African. All right. Brother Mikasa, for you from your own perspective, if one were ask someone who is Brother Mikasa, what would you tell them? Who is Brother Mikasa? Yes. Um, a freedom fighter, soldier, uh, who worked in this Student Nonviolence Coordinating Committee, come through this sit-in movement, fighting for voters' rights, and and uh, human rights, and working for the liberation of Africa, and and trying to unite Africans in every city, all the gangs together, trying to unite all of Africa, all the countries, all the political forces together, and trying to unite with all the liberation movements throughout the world for Pan-Africanism and for the liberation of Africa. Okay, you know, Brother McCarthy, if someone go back there, remember the lane, and they look back at the civil rights movement, they know that you were very um, instrumental in being one of those who helped popularize the concept of black power. Can you tell us what that means then and what it means today from your perspective? Well, we just, black power to us then, me and Kwame and SNCC people, it just meant that uh, we wanted to stop the murder and the killing enslavement, apartheid, uh, different forms of colonialism that we were facing, and uh, we needed black power, and that otherwise we need to go on the offensive and fight for our liberation. So black power was a, a call for to be on the offensive for the liberation of our people to start fighting back and fighting against the forces of evil, and black power uh, pushed us to talk about our hair, good hair, uh beautiful nose, our lips, our skin, our history, and when it 
destroyed Paul Robeson and Marcus Garvey and Kwame Nkrumah over there in Africa, and and then it pushed us toward seeing Africa and learning our history, and that history included uh, learning about all the great kingdoms and empires and universities and all the things that we had did going back millions of years. And uh, when we added all that into it, we began to proudly say we were African people. Okay, Brother McCarthy, we know that recently you had the opportunity to travel to Revolutionary Cuba and Venezuela. We'll start with the Cuba aspect first. Can you tell us what were some of the things you can um, share with us or what's happening in Cuba and how does Cuba relate to the struggle and liberation of Africa and African people today from your perspective? Well, uh, Cuba is a country that took back uh, its land, stopped the United States from exploiting the United States, forcing women to be prostitutes, to eat, hungry, and whatever. Stopped the United States from making people live like dogs down there, where the United States go down there and live like kings on somebody else's land and create a petty bourgeoisie and, and have a have and a have not. Cuba eliminated that when they had their revolution. They took over everything and ran the United States out and then took everything from the rich people and shared it with all the poor people, guaranteed everybody some food, some medicine, the best education, and um, let people know that everything in Cuba belonged to all the people and it wouldn't be in the hands of just a few people. And so Cuba is a revolutionary country, and they live by example, and everybody in the world who has looked at Cuba, all the conscious people want to be just like Cuba, and we all worldwide have chosen Fidel Castro as our leader, and Fidel Castro have helped influence and develop leaders throughout Africa from uh, going back to work with Kwame Nkrumah, Zegatouré, Lumumba in the Congo, uh, the little brother in Burkina Faso, uh, Thomas Sakari, uh, Maurice Bishop, and many, many other thousands of others, and everybody who he has been a friend to, or the Cuban Revolution has been a friend to, the United States government, Democrats and Republicans, have went out to all these different areas and killed the people, killed the leaders, killed thousands, killed their children, killed millions of people like they've done in Iraq, Syria, Libya, uh, and many other places, and, and they expose the fact that the United States is raping Africa at, uh, I mean, purely raping Africa, and that where they're killing, got thousands and millions of people dying. In the Congo, millions and millions are dying. And all over Africa, people are hungry, poor, never seen a clean glass of water, but yet Africa is the richest continent in the world. And so Fidel Castro introduced us to scientific socialism and said, if you have socialism, then socialism will meet all the needs of the people and stop these robbers, these imperialist colonial robbers from coming to your land and taking it. As a matter of fact, it encouraged the people to fight and run these people off their land. And that's what people are doing all over the world, fighting back and trying to run the imperialists off their land. And the United States continue to put billions of guns and drugs and everything else all over the world to keep the world, keep Africa keep South America, Central America destabilized. And anybody that speak out against them, 
the place where they ain't dropping bombs and put used embargo like they've been trying to starve Cuba to death for the last 50, 60 years. And now they're trying to starve Venezuela to death, even though Venezuela is rich with oil and other natural resources that the United States and Europe have been stealing from Venezuela for the last, I don't know, 100 years or even longer, 200 years, 300 years, or even longer, and taking all the resources out. And you see all these big banks and industrial growing and growing where the people that the resources come from are hungry and starving. So the uh, Venezuelan people had a revolution just like Cuba, and they took over their country. And when they took over their country, they told the people that all the oil in this country belonged to everybody. And we're going to share with everybody. You're going to get free gas, uh, six cents a gallon. You're going to get the best transportation system that very, very cheap. You're going to get medicine and, and you won't pay for it. You're going to get the best hospital care. And that uh, one, they got housing problems. People living out there in stacks, in the woods, in the jungle. The government of Venezuela, uh, under Hugo Chavez, called people together and say, we're going to be a house for everybody. And they met with the Chinese Revolution, Mao Zedong, folks. The Chinese Revolution came to there, came to Venezuela, and built 10,000 uh, apartment buildings. I mean, uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 stories high with hundreds of apartments in each building. And they built it for all the people and gave the people, and then they have a ceremony and give each family the key and uh, said, this is your house and your apartment for life. And they built three bedrooms for everybody, one for the boys, one for the girls, and one for the mom and daddy. And this is what Venezuela is trying to do. But the United States, and they own all this oil, Sitco, and whatever. The United States just froze, just took the Sitco from here in the United States and gave it to Standard Oil, and they got billions and billions of dollars in banks. United States have got with these banks worldwide and froze Venezuela's billions of dollars and trying to take it and give it away and steal it. And and uh, Venezuela is struggling to have capital to meet and continue the work that they're doing. But the economy is doing much better because they united with China. They united with Russia. They united with the fine nation of uh, Iran. They united with Palestinians. They united with uh, um with Nicaragua, El Salvador, uh, uh, or Nicaragua, and and uh, uh, other nations, Zimbabwe, and other nations that's fighting for liberation, and the United States got embargo probably on 50 different countries around the world. All of these countries support Venezuela, and they're trying to create a trade where they go direct with each other and cut the United States out and push the United States back. So this is socialism. Socialism is the economic system that we must be guided by, and socialism, every nation, every organization, every group, if you're going to be serious, you have to have and be a socialist organization and stop nonsense about uh, 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 no socialism or whatever. You can't be damn capitalist because uh, uh, capitalism don't let them exploit you, rob you, and, and, and destroy you and destroy your nation, destroy people. So we must be socialists, and Venezuela and Cuba are two of the leading socialist nations in the world, along with Russia and China and uh, North Korea and and, and uh, uh, Zimbabwe and others. They're struggling, and, and Yemen, they're struggling, and Palestine, of course. They're struggling 
but the United States is making war against them, and they're waging so much war around the world, and we must make up our mind. Uh, also, I want to say that they are now invading and got armies and guns and bombs in um, Ethiopia, and and uh, and they're fighting in Ethiopia and fighting here in Eritrea because these have been socialist nations of nations that's working for the liberation of their own people, and they refuse to go along with the United States. And the United States want to destabilize Ethiopia. They want to take the water out the Nile River and send it up to Israel and to uh, those cooks in, in Egypt. So now they're waging war against Eritrea, Ethiopia, and Somalia. And we have to make up our mind whose side are you on? Which side are you on, boy? Uh, will you fight with Ethiopia, Eritrea, Somalia, uh, Yemen, Palestine? Or will you fight with the United States and Europe and the capitalist imperialists from around the world to rape, rob, and murder our land? Africa is now under attack. And we must speak out against that. We must act against it. Hey, I'm calling, asking everybody that can hear our voice tomorrow as soon as possible. Go out and start demonstrating at the different government buildings, television stations, uh, in the communities, but expose people to what they're doing in Ethiopia. In 1935, when the United States uh, Italians attacked Ethiopia, all the Africans, your mama, your grandmama, your great-great-grandmama, their, and daddies, they stood in line all around the country <coughs> begging for guns, excuse me, where they could go. <clears throat> where they could go to Ethiopia and help fight to defend Ethiopia against the imperialism, against colonialism, and that today, that same situation here today. Are you ready to defend Africa? Are you ready to fight for Africa? And we must educate Africa. And that one thing that the Taliban did, not only did they fight with guns, but they ideologically fought, and they went and educated the people, and when they educated the people, they gave them their ideology, they gave them their history, and told them that they should be faithful to their country and to their people and to their land and to their nation and, to, and lay down your guns and use your guns against the enemy that's here, the United States and their armies. Use your army, use your guns, everything against these people and not against your people. Don't help nobody fight against your land and your people. And they did that when the Taliban united and came together, the United States knew that they would finish in Afghanistan because they ain't got somebody else to fight for them, uh, they can't win. And that's why they create neo-colonialism and neo-colonialism, Uncle Tom, that they use to fight, kill, murder their own people and build armies and hold guns on their people where the United States and all the European imperialist nations take out the diamonds, the gold, the oil, the silver, the copper, everything from your peanuts, everything. Even the water at your country, they milk it down to nothing, and they get richer and richer, building cars and factories and industries around the world. But on the land where the resources come from, the people have absolutely nothing. And that's where we have to make up our mind, which style are you on, boy? And I agree with the young brother talked about uh, uh, socialist philosophies and those who write about it, Marx and Kuma or whoever write about it, but socialism is the only way to go, and we must all be social. And I hope that every organization and every country and every group that can hear our voice today, I hope you clearly endorse socialism and start defining it and understanding what it is and how it works. That's what I want to say. 
Okay, you know, Brother um, Casa, one of the things Brother Kwame Ture left during this um, trans- transitional period was to inform African people worldwide that they should submit themselves with the Cuban Revolution and come to the Cuban aid and assistance. Now, when you when you go to Cuba, one of the things I like for you to articulate or explain is the social relationship of how the people uh, interact with one another and interact with you as, as, as being a, a, a visitor, giving the harsh economic blockade that Cuba has been dealing with ever since the early 60s. So when you talk about socialism, you talk about Cuba. More importantly, when you talk about the people, how is it that people are able to uh, withstand this this, this, this racist, unjust blockade, while at the same time playing a very positive role in terms of fighting the so-called virus and helping other nations around the world. What did you see and what did you detect in terms of the spirit of the Cuban people that allowed them to be so strong, so co- courageous, and so well organized? But Cuba are uh, 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 people. And, and socialism is a people's organization, is a people's movement. So they love people, they honor people, and that uh, they honor any people, don't care who it is. And when they come to Cuba, they honor you, they put their best out for you, and you can see that they are on the move, they're educated people, and they're knowledgeable, they get worldwide information, and, and uh, they know about what's going on in the world, and many, many of them gladly, go around the world. They got doctors, 100,000 doctors or more that they rotate around the year waiting and serving people. They got armies that go to places like Angola and help fight to get South Africa, Mandela, all of them out of jail and free South Africa. They help fight for Angola, Mozambique, and all that. So what they do is continue to make contributions to different peoples in the world and that they say when they were born, all the Cubans were born they owe society a debt, and that is to make the world better for the people. So they use their people and their children to educate people. They sent my son and thousands of others there. They make doctors out of and send them back to their community. They make engineers. They make all kind of people out of people. They send doctors to Africa, and they work on Ebola. They work on diseases. Uh, they work on farming, help fighting these diseases where the United States try to block needles and, and, and medicines from getting to people all over the world. they blocking it. And like they promoting the AIDS, they promoting death and destruction and hunger and sickness for the people where people go and try to fall, try to cure sickness and, and pain and suffering other people. And that uh, they put everybody in the house. They don't, and like United States capitalism, imperialism, they charge you for everything you need to do. If you breathe air, they charge you to breathe. If you drink water, they charge you for the water. If you need medicine and all those kinds of hospitals and sickness, they charge you for the hospital. They charge you for being sick. If you need food to eat, they charge you a lot of money for food. If you need lights, gas, water, shelter, they charge you for that. Everything you need, they put a price on it. They even go cut down all the apple trees, take control of the apples, the mangoes, and fruit, and then grow it somewhere else. And then every time you get a mango, 
uh, you got to give them a dollar, two dollars, and all that. Where under socialism, all the fruits are free, all they fall off the tree, they grow more trees where the people can get to it. They make sure everybody has lights, gas, water, medicine without money, without money. And you don't need it. Money is nothing. So our job and all the government's job is to serve the people and make the world better for the people. And if you got a government and they ain't what you're doing, then you ain't no government. You're a bunch of bombs that need to be put in jail, need to be shot and put out of existence. So we need socialism, a nation that loves the people and want to solve every problem that the people have and use their economics, everything, to make the, make the society better where everybody can benefit and be happy. And wherever in the world there's a problem, be ready to send your doctors, your scientists, or your army to go and help solve that problem and help wipe out the problem. And this is what we have to do. We have to go now and join in with Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, uh, 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 how you say, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Somalia, Yemen, Palestine, and uh, and uh, uh, Zimbabwe, and the many, many other areas that we didn't name. Uh, we have to join in with them, join in with the Congo, because they commit real genocide on the Congo right now as we talk. And uh, they're getting all the minerals, everything out of the Congo. Got our women down there carrying thousands of pounds or hundreds of pounds up mountains on their head and make less than 15 cents or whatever, uh, 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 anything, nothing a day. And this is what they're doing. They're committing genocide on them. They greedy pigs. And the only way to stop them is revolution. And the only way anybody ever stopped them, they had to use revolution, beat them back, and do it. And we have to have that kind of ideology, that kind of history, that kind of philosophy, and that will guide us and direct us toward our reconstruction. Yes, sir. Um, Brother Mikasa, you just recently came back from Venezuela, what I understood, as well as we know that Venezuela just recently had a successful um, election, national election. Could you just give people a sense of what the scene would look like as we talk about this whole question of a people having a democracy, how democracy looked and felt when you was in Venezuela versus how a democracy, illusion of a democracy, is look at and felt when you live in the U.S. Talk a little bit about this whole question of these practices that Venezuela has put in place to empower the people. Well, Venezuela made it what? Excuse me. Everybody in Venezuela could vote. Everybody wanted to vote. They took them there and and, and closed every school, made a holiday of it. <clears throat> and they did it on Sunday where everybody would be off work and whatever. And it just made it a beautiful, beautiful day. And I went to election schools and saw people voting and, and just saw everybody happy and voting and glad to vote. And, and that's what they did. And it was a beautiful experience seeing everybody out to vote. And remember, I come from a place where when we tried to register vote, they took the chain and swore and goodbye and lynched them. They burned down over uh, 70 churches in one summer in 1964. They uh, assassinated our different friends uh, from Mr. Damon to to uh, Mega Evans, even to Dr. King. And they tried to register people to vote, but the Democrats and Republicans were assassinated because we tried to do it. But in Venezuela, they want everybody to vote, to give everybody the right to vote and encourage people to vote. And whatever you vote, whichever way you vote, uh, they respect it. And fortunately, when they voted there this time, 
out of 53 different governor positions, they won uh, 51. The mass that people love them because they are giving them houses and trying to solve every problem they got. So Venezuela is a, a, a wonderful country. And matter of fact, they took over. Uh, Bamboche was there with us. Bamboche took me all over Venezuela. He did an excellent job. Bamboche is a warrior, and we really appreciate that African warrior. And he took us all over Venezuela, took us to factories like Kalau Cornflakes, make all them cornflakes. They were down there trying to rip the people off, paying them nothing, uh, a few pennies a day a week to work. And the people took over the Kalau country, company and gave it to all the workers that were working in it. Now the workers, the common workers, own the company, and they uh, produce the cornflakes and produce the boxes and the, and the paper that they go in. They produce it themselves and got so many different brands of cornflakes. It is ran by a socialist group called Kalau Socialismo, Kalau Socialism. And, that, uh, uh, and they got it. They took the way they make plastic cups and all that. They took over the whole company. They make all the cups and stuff that they have to eat and drink out of, and, and they took over the whole company. They even went to the poorest neighborhood where people need housing. Scientists out there with them and said, y'all need housing, and you got to build them. And they took the regular common people, taught them engineering and science and electronics and all that, and now the common people, Common people that want the houses for themselves are now building a skyscraper apartment building. We got I don't know how many apartments, 56 or 100 up, but it's tall. I mean, tall, luxury buildings, and they build it for the people in that neighborhood, and they will give the key to the people and say, this is yours, and you're yours for the rest of your life, and they would have light, gas, water, and everything it takes to live. And there would be a school right near you. There would be a doctor's office right near you. And that's what the Venezuelan government is trying to do. And that's why the United States government is trying to block them, trying to starve them, trying to make all the people go hungry. And they even prepare for war against them, just like they did Libya. Libya is one of the most developed countries in the world, giving everybody all the things that they need and solving the problem that people are having living have people live in decent properties. Want some of the people live more decent than any other Africans anywhere in the world. The United States used that neo-colonial puppet Obama and uh, went there, bombed the country, and found some difficult opposition in the north of the country. Went there, bombed the country, and and killed and gladly killed Gaddafi's family. Sent bombs in the children's bedroom, blew up the children blew the legs and heads all over the body, and then killed a million, a hundred thousand, tens of thousands of uh, people all over Libya and bombed it and bombed it and bombed it to all many, many people in Libya running for their lives. So many American bombs falling that they're running for their lives, jumping into the ocean with their babies in their hand, holding on to a log, a stick, trying to get away from the American bombs. And they're still bombing Libya as we talk today. They still bombing Yemen. They still now they bombing Ethiopia. Now they trying to bomb Eritrea, Somalia, and so this crime is continuous. It's not just in Nicaragua, Venezuela, but it's all over the world. Imperialism is a worldwide order that uh, we have to organize against. 
If you got a worldwide order, a worldwide problem, it takes a worldwide solution. And that's why we talk about Pan-Africanism, all African people and all revolutionary people coming together and fighting this imperialism and, and fighting for socialism, all the socialists, all the nations that want liberation, all the people in these countries that want liberation, move these neo-colonials out the way and take over those countries and let us consolidate and, 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 and let Venezuela and Cuba and Fidel and Shea and Kwame Kuma and Sekuture and Lumumba and Thomas Sakai and many, many others uh, uh, be our guide to liberation. Okay. Brother McCarthy, we have our political panelists and analysts here today. And what we're going to do right now, we're going to open up the discussion to our panelists as well as to our listening audience. So if you have any comments or questions as relates to our theme tonight, we're talking with a revolutionary Pan-Africanist, Brother McCarthy, uh, he just recently came back from Cuba and Venezuela. He has visited many countries, and like we said, his style back in the 60s has been a freedom fighter for our people. Uh, we welcome you to call in at 323-679-0841. So right now, we're going to go to one of our political panelists for today. We bring Brother Haki and allow him to um, entertain some of his ideas or questions that he may have for you. Brother Haki, the mic is yours. Yeah, let me, uh, first of all, let me just thank the brother for, for coming on. You know, it's always an honor to have this brother on the program. But certainly one of the things that I find very ironic is that when you look at in terms of the loyalty demonstrated by so many Africans in society, and despite the kind of oppression uh, African people are subjected to on a daily basis, but perhaps more insidious that when you look at it in terms of how capitalism actually works, uh, it, gives us, it should give you pause for thought. Now, it seems to me that when you think about uh, uh, situations like unemployment, homelessness, uh, the lack of uh, access to education given the COVID-19 so-called crisis, uh, universities going broke, a uh, lack of access to health care, when you look at all those kind of things, those, those factors tend to adversely uh, disproportionately impact, negatively impact the African masses. And it seems to me, given that backdrop, it should be a, it should be a no-brainer. It should be a situation where African people understand clearly uh, that the situation as it exists in America is not good for us. Uh, but nonetheless, there are those who continue to advocate uh, the case, you know, that the U.S. is the greatest place on the, on the planet, the greatest nation on the planet. So my question to you, brother, is, you know, how do you combat, you know, such uh, such kind of uh, such such uh, unawareness uh, among our people when they when they say those kind of things. Uh, what is your response to people who articulate that kind of uh, misinformation uh, uh, in your in your, in your, you know, your daily you know your daily struggles you know with the masses of folks? Well, you just understand that your people are under colonialism, and part of colonialism is brainwashing and confusion, lies, uh, trickery through religion, through uh, news, through everything. And, and miseducation of the people, so the people just don't know, and they make slaves and oppressed people think uh, uh, they tell them you're doing good, even though you're hungry, starving, and whatever, and they tell them that. But our job is just go to the people, to them on a daily basis in the streets, uh, wherever you find them in the pool halls or clubs or wherever you find them, go and have those kind of discussions with them, and point to them, Africa, and show them who they were before colonialism, showing what they did to the native people, 
and just point out the contradictions that these people and the people that control the riches and the, all this other stuff, they don't deserve none of that. They stole everything, and you're supposed to be rich, powerful, and strong, and highly educated, so you have to educate people, and you go to people and you have a school with them wherever they are, and you discuss these things, and it get very simple, and it's not isms. It's uh, food, clothes, shelter, uh, lights, water, in uh, uh, the prison industrial complex and, and destruction of your family, your daddy, where your mama, daddy, and, and, and you know, your wife struggling for food for these kinds of things. And you just show them it's very simple. And, and uh, people can understand it. As a matter of fact, people understand it very clearly. It's not far away. It's truth and understand the truth is not far away from most people. Most people want it. Most people have understanding, but we have to have people that's ready and willing to go to the people and talk to them, knock on the doors, or talk to them in the yard, talk to them in the streets, talk to them anywhere and everywhere and explain it because uh, they get one side. So you have to go and carry the revolutionary side. And so therefore, if you're going to carry that side, you have to become uh, somebody that's in some kind of movement or organization and somebody with that kind of education to know the truth and that you could give the truth using different uh, uh, revolutionary forces and sources. Because so many of our people just don't know how to look and how to find it or where it is. But our job is to show it to them and the best we can and show them how to connect to it and how to develop uh, these ideals and, uh, of liberation. Okay, my second question. So we need to organize. We need to go to the people. Thanks. Oh, okay. My my second question. Uh, you talk about the benefits of, of socialism, and uh, clearly, you know, that is the case. Uh, but one of the things, when we talk about the benefits of socialism, also we talk about socialism to the extent that it would be a great benefit to life. And, of course, that's a, that's a given. But more, but equally as important is that we got to talk about the state of the planet. And one of the things that when we talk about you know, you know these wildfires, such as flooding, and we talk about all these issues uh, impacting the nation, it seems to me that this, this this implicit threat in terms of you know global warming is something that people should take very very seriously. Uh, one of the things that when we think about the the uh, the, the constant um, uh, uh, disinformation. That's been spewed by, you know, the media, and with respect to global warming, uh, it's certainly they do a very good job in terms of confusing folks. But my question to you, brothers, what can you, what can you say to the masses of people, in terms of getting them to understand the the the, uh, the urgency of dealing with this question in terms of uh, global warming as it impacts uh, life itself? Well, everything is global warming. We just say that they. Not only messing you up as an individual, your family, your daddy, jail, your children being drugged and killed, but they're messing up the trees, messing up the water, uh, they're even uh, messing up the ozone and causing all kinds of problems on Earth. So everything on Earth is re- is responding to imperialism. All this is part of imperialism, and so you just have to tie all that into uh, why we're flooding and what's making us flood and we began to look at the um, chemicals and all the different things that these people are doing around the world because they're destroying the earth, they're destroying the people on all kinds of levels. So they're causing all kinds of problems. droughts, causing the sun not to come in so much parts of the world, uh, and doing so many things that 
imperialism that you just can't counter. But once you tie it all together, then people begin to see it. But our job is to educate the people, and we have to understand if you see it and I see it, then they can see it too. They probably got more sense than me and you both. They just need people that's willing to come and sit down and, and, and explain. That's why we put together different kind of little education group, work study groups. Uh, one time we put together schools. We put together ideological discussions. But we have to carry this to our people where they began to talk about it. Because now, today, they're being brainwashed and their children are being taken away from it through the news media or whatever they have to propagandize us with. And we just have to take it to them and let them see that, yeah, all kind of problems, not just um, a flood and droughts and everything. Every problem we have come from imperialism. There's not one problem on this earth that we face today that don't come from capitalism and imperialism. Every problem. Every problem you have in your house with your family. Every problem come from capitalism and imperialism. Come from European colonial domination. Every problem. Not not one bad problem you have that don't come from there. Not even one. Matter of fact, if you stump your toe, you say that yeah, damn imperial. Uh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Th- thank you, Brother Haki. We next to go to Brother Anthony. Haki. Brother Anthony, your question, comment, please. The mic is yours. Uh, certainly. Uh, Kwame Nkrumah warned us uh, several decades ago at the at his, at his uh, speech uh, before the first o- 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 OAU uh, conference in 1963. That uh, that uh, that Africa's uh, failure to to unite uh, will 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 bring about the re uh, the recolonization or uh, uh, of Africa because uh, we're dealing with a relentless enemy in imperialism and all of its manifestations. And uh, how much of Africa's current problems are due to that to the failure uh, to uh, to unite as one instead of uh, you know uh, uh, fifty four uh, you know non uh, non viable political states? All of them. Every problem we got is because of Africa's not united. If we were united, the whole world would be talking about how and what a great pass we're making toward uh, development and, and like China. China making the greatest passes in the world toward development and strengthening and, and solving the problems of their people and making China and Asia stronger. And uh, we could do it if we, as Africa, must unite. That's why we said we don't need no 54 nations. We need to make Africa one big nation with Unite all our different armies, all our different economics, like Gaddafi was trying to create African banks, put all our natural resources together, and began to put them on the world market and develop Africa. And we put them on the world market, put them on there for a fair price, something that we all agree with, and use it to development and make Africa rich and solve all Africa's problems. So you're absolutely right. If Africa don't unite, uh, they they recolonizing. Matter of fact, they recolonizing right now. They're bringing in armies, troops, 
Uh, they got uh, armies in every country, secret armies that even them armies don't know about in all those different countries. And they got sending American generals to work with African generals and to control the armies and and when they and, and the fight. So the next world war, big war coming up will be over who's going to control the natural resources of Africa because the whole world is on Africa's welfare. We feed and develop every company and every factory and industry in the world. They got to come to Africa to get the natural resources. So we take, and when we take control of that, then the whole world will have to buy to us and, and, and make deals with us in order for them to de- develop. But at this point, the whole world is on Africa's welfare, and the whole, and, but by them being on Africa's welfare, instead of paying for what they get, they rape and rob and, and commit genocide to get what they get. So you're absolutely right, young man. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I also wanted to add also that um, that what uh, are uh, uh, are their efforts underway on the continent to uh, uh, to uh, to unify? I mean, I uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, information about the various coup d'etats that are taking place all over Africa, in the Sudan and uh, in East Africa in particular, but in Africa in general, uh, Sudan, and I mean the uh, imperialist invasion of Libya seem to have destabilized all the countries in Western Africa. Yeah, you're right. In that uh, the coup in Sudan was created by Israel, and then the United States just reversed the coup, and and uh, uh, in in the Sudan, and then uh, all these coups and and wars are created uh, by the United States and by the imperialists. And anytime we have strong revolutionary leaders, or strong leaders that try to go independent, that try to go toward African unity, they got the CIA, same people killed Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, 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 coup d'etat, Kwame Nkrumah. They assassinate them and go and make wars against them and and destabilize the nation. Yes, so you're absolutely right. We need the United States of Africa. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Africa. Right now, you listen to Africa on the Moon. We're going to take a rubber break. When we come back, we will continue this discussion with Baba Mikasa. This is Africa on the Moon. Oh. It will be solved. There's a difference between revolution and reform. Big difference. In reform, a man observing a foundation, observing a system, sees many problems. But he assumes that there's nothing wrong with the system. The foundation of the system for him is a good system. Thus, what he seeks to do is to change the building as best he can, but he wants to leave the foundation intact. Example. If I came to this building, it's Ackerman Hall, is it not? If I came to Ackerman Hall and I looked at the foundation, the foundation was falling. It was just falling, couldn't possibly stand. If I were a reformist, I'd say, okay, put a piece of board over that. So we cover the foundation. We haven't touched it. And then I'll come here and say, put a window there. Put a door here. Put a frame here. Put two rooms where there used to be one. 
What I'm doing is reforming the system. I am trying to make it look different, but I'm keeping the same rotten foundation. You must understand that because this country is full of reformists, black people notwithstanding. And these reformists have a tendency to deceive you to let you believe that things are really being changed when in fact the foundation has not been touched and the longer it stays, the more rotten it becomes. The more rotten it becomes. A revolutionary comes into the building, observes Ackerman Hall and says, looks at the foundation and said, hey, this foundation is filthy, it's rotten, it's corrupt. It must be torn up. A new one must be put in its place. Once he makes that decision, and once that theoretical decision which he's made is demonstrated actively in his day-to-day -day life, you have a revolutionary. Thus, a revolutionary is not someone who seeks to reform a system. He's someone who seeks to replace it. I'm a revolutionary. I'm not a reformist. I want the American system destroyed. It must be destroyed and has to be replaced. It has to be replaced. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Again, I'm not calling for revolution. I see it coming, and I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be part of the problem. I've been the victim too long, so I want to be part of the solution. I am saying that all of us must opt for revolution. All of us must opt for revolution. Now, revolution is very scientific. There's nothing emotional about it. There's nothing emotional about it. President Sekou Toure, a wise and courageous African revolutionary, says that in revolution there is no sentimentality. There is none. Whether I like something or do not like something, it is scientifically determined for me, thus I must do it. So I have no sentiments involved in my work. I just have to do what I have to do, and I will do it the best way I can. Best way I can. Now, revolution, we said, follows scientific laws. If you come and you look at the foundation and you see the foundation is rotten and you say that you want to replace this foundation, you want a new system, you're asking for revolution. Because what you're saying is that you want another system where there is a system. And we know scientifically that no two things can occupy the same place at the same time. I mean, that's logic. So if you say that uh, you're against capitalism, and you want another system put in the place of capitalism, then all you're saying is that you want revolution because capitalism and this other thing cannot occupy America at the same time. Only one, only one will occupy it. Only one will be dominant. Thus, if you say you want revolution, you understand you're talking about scientific principles. Two systems cannot occupy the same space at the same time. I'm opposed to capitalism. I seek, I seek an economic system which must follow the principles of scientific socialism. This system must come, will come, all over the world, America notwithstanding. It must come and will come. To
o eres ángel o eres demonio. Quiero ver a toda la gente con las manos arriba. ¿Dónde están los latinos con las manos arriba? Que vive el hip hop con las manos arriba. ¿Qué? Con las manos arriba. Que viva la cultura con las manos arriba. El deporte con las manos arriba. Venezuela con las manos arriba. ¿Qué? ¿Qué? Sentimiento, sabor, rumba, corazón. La salsa retumba, retumba el tambor. No se te olvide el coroco. Recuerda el folclore. Te lo digo el rap. Crece la tensión. Ritmo caribeño. Se sienta el calor. Esta es música de calle. Al que no le gusta que vaya a llorar para el valle. Es música con estilo. Tú estás claro, así que solo dilo. Para que lo sepa. Suena tan criolla como comerse una arepa. Volar papagayo, llámalo, cometa. Tropo perinola. Música venezolana es todo lo que se haga en Venezuela. No solo es un ritmo, escucha las letras. Tan criollo como que te vean y te digan, epa, que te choquen las manos. Al final del día, dale, hablamos. Y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. Comandante, te amo. Que Dios te bendiga. ¿Dónde está Maranta? El Amaranta y el Pinky, ¿dónde están? ¿No? La cantera. We'd like to welcome back to Africa on the Move on the 28th day of November. We have a discussion with a Rubberstead Pan-Africanist, Brother Mikasa Ricks. He's getting his perspective and sharing his experiences with us going on in the Pan-African world and movement. Before we continue the discussion, we just would like to make a couple quick announcements just to um, share with our listening audience that we would like to send our support to Pan-African Roots as it published some of the most recent um, books released, Volume 1 and Volume 2, titled We Demand the Full Disclosure and the Digitization of All Slavery, Earl Records. There are two volumes, one and two, that has recently been released um, by Pan-African Roots. we like to encourage our listening audience, friends, and allies Take, a, uh, take the opportunity to go to website www.a-aprp-gc.org and check this book out and make a contribution to our people liberation by supporting the author, Brother Bob Brown, is a book that has a host of information that will help you get a better understanding of your past world so you can understand the present conditions of why the things are today, or who were some of the perpetrators. It's an excellent book on dealing with um, information, dealing with the institution of slavery. So please take a few minutes out, go to the website, and find out more about these particular two volumes, one and two. We demand the full disclosure and the digitization of all slavery era rappers. Again, the website is www. A dash A P R P dash G C dot Also we'd like to 
that they won't know, along with the station and working with the African Award Association, we encourage you to come and join us this summer from July 23rd to 31st. That will be the African Awareness Annual Black History, Education, and Culture Travel Challenge. We're going to Cuba. We're going to Cuba because we want to show our solidarity with Cuba and, and the Cuban Revolution. We'll be visiting two areas of Cuba while there, Santiago, Cuba, and Havana. So if you're interested in joining us, showing your solidarity with your brothers and sisters in Cuba, hey, go to the website, www.aaa-cubatours.com or email the African Awareness Association at African Awareness Association, all together, the number two at gmail.com. So come and join us, and let's um, continue as revolutionary um, solidarity when it comes to our brothers and sisters. So at this point in time, we'll go back and continue discussion with Brother Mikasa and we discuss this whole question of going on in the Pan-African movement. So at, right now, we'll bring our next political panelist analyst and give them an opportunity to engage with Brother Mikasa and that will be Brother Moses we will now give, turn the mic over to you. Question or comments, Brother Moses. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. And greetings, Brother. Uh, I have, don't really have much to say. Um, it seems that, you know, we've been here before um, um, in terms of uh, the, the movement uh, for uh, just equal rights and injustice uh, um, seems like uh, uh, oh I'm not sure where I want to go with this uh, um, hmm. you brother Moses will come back with you and let's see yeah, if you can bring okay. Sister Eleanor Sister Eleanor the mic is yours. This is Eleanor, question or comment? I think we have some technical problems with Sister Eleanor. Hopefully we can get that straightened out. Until then, President Castle, I'd like yes, for you to make, to, um, issue of, you know, I think that's an issue of a concern when the people do not learn from their history. You know, we often say if those who fail to learn from their history are doomed to repeat the same mistake again mm-hmm. and over and over and over. Now, as a member of SNCC, as a young uh, political activist uh, in the early 60s and 70s, SNCC was one of the first organizations, the youth were one of the first youth in the country to take a stand against the Vietnam War, and more particularly against the Democratic Party. Now, back then, you came to a understanding that the Democratic Party and Republican Party were, in essence, the enemy to African people then. What is your position now when it comes to the question of the role that the Democratic Party played as it relates to our people oppression? Why? There seems to be a a, 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 a a disconnect 
between the interests of the Democratic Party and the interests of African people, the two doesn't jive. They seem to be in total opposition. But yet we continue to vote for these institutions, these two parties that have no interest for African people. Can you talk a little bit? I try. <clears throat> well, the Democratic Party is part of imperialism, part of colonialism, and they weep their strength and, and benefit and guidance and finance from the imperialists. <clears throat> and so their armies and their economics is all tied into imperialism. And our uh, benefits and our guidance and our liberation is tied into socialism. And like Kwame Ture just said, two opposing forces cannot exist in the same place at the same time. So those neo-colonies or those Afrikaans or those confused people, Africans, that try to guide us to the Democratic Party and try to make us think that we're getting benefits or will get benefits from the Democratic Party, we're making a terrible mistake and confusion. The Democratic Party worked for imperialism and the same worked for the Republicans, and so all of them have the same army, all of them have the same philosophy, and all of them will benefit from colonialism and from the rape of Africa and and what have you. And either one <clears throat> can afford to stop the rape and the liberation of Africa. So we will get no benefits from these people, and we will not move forward from somebody else's party. We need an African party. We need socialist parties. We need socialist liberation movement and not movements part of our oppression and part of our slave master. And I think Kwame Ture in his uh, uh, lecture a minute ago made all that very clear. So we need African liberation. That's why you have African liberation parties. You have AAPRPGC, AAPRP, you have PAIGC, you have different parties uh, throughout Africa, even throughout socialist movements throughout the world. Our interest would be with Venezuela. Our interest would be with Cuba. Our interest would be with China. Our interest is with uh, Iran. Our interest with the Palestinians. Those are the parties that we should be linked to and not the party of the oppressor. Because all of them are Zionists. All of them work for the Zionist movement. And we should stop fooling ourselves and acting like we're part uh, of such confusion. We get absolutely nothing from these people. These are slave masters that put blindfolds over our eyes and uh, uh, continue to oppress us. So we need a, a liberation party. We need to be guided by, again, Venezuela, Cuba, China, and other liberation movements. And we need our own parties. And that's why so many of us have worked and tried to build liberation parties or pan-Africanist parties or pan-Africanist movement or socialist movements. And that's what we continue to tell you, that the enemy is the enemy, and the Democratic Party is the enemy. Just It's part of imperialism. So and what would you say is... So what would you say is the 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 issue or the importance of the so-called power of the vote today? How much importance do we put on that, and how do we use it, if at any, 
as a tool to move our people forward. Well, I don't know about no voting and all that kind of stuff. I kept making where we could vote and all that. But over all the years, <coughs> I've seen the vote. I, I see us get more pressed, more exploited. I see more colonialism and imperialism in Africa. Uh, and and that uh, I don't see anything changing. I see many people coming out, people lying, tricking them, and telling them things are right when we're actually suffering and dying. And that I don't believe in those tricks. I believe in the absolute truth. And the absolute truth is we have to liberate ourselves, not ask somebody else to liberate us. China didn't join the Democratic Party or the United States to get free. North Korea didn't build that nuclear weapon to defend themselves with the guys of the Democratic Party. Uh, and no other liberated Venezuela didn't use the Democratic Party. Cuba didn't use the Democratic Party. And no other liberation movements of liberated countries use the enemy's party. We have to have our own liberation parties and created, and our freedom has to be fought and won by us and nobody else. And nobody will do nothing for us. We have to do it for ourselves. So what do we so what do you say to the, to today's African politicians who constantly come to our our community to misinform us and misdirect our energies? I just saw I just came from a meeting with them today. I had to rush home. I was at a rally where all of us spoke and all of them they're worthless. They have no power, no strength, they make false promises, they can solve no problems. When uh when Venezuela had a problem with housing, they built ten thousand apartment buildings, ten thousand, and gave them to the people. And these people here, they only make promises. We gonna pass a bill or, or, or whatever, and that's all they do is pass a bill. And they take your houses, take the land you live on, and continue to exploit you. So these people do no good. They worthless. Lying politicians, and most of them don't have money. They, even though they run for office, they don't have the economics to solve no problem. Most of them are getting a little sad of themselves, and many of them poor as they are like the rest of us. And uh, so I think that we need a total liberation and unification of Africa uh, uh, to solve the problem. We have to go at the real cause of the problem. We need socialism. We need to get organized, and we need to put together all kinds of little organizations and movements in our communities of all kinds, but they must be working for the liberation of Africa, coming together to try to solve different kinds of little problems that we have among ourselves. But uh, I don't see the, the Democratic Party of America, the United States government, solving no problems. Our problems are getting worse in every city. They're building jails, prisons, uh, and other things that to hold us down, but nobody's saying, let's solve the problem. If you got homeless people and you want to solve the problem of the homeless people, build apartment buildings for them and put them in those apartment buildings. If that's what you want to do, solve the problem. But if you want to just talk about the problem, you do that. And so all I hear is these folks talking about the problem. I don't see nobody solving the problem for African people. Nowhere. Period. 
Okay, we had a caller that been waiting real patiently on the line. We're going to take this caller and see what kind of comments or contribution he would like to make to today's program. We're going to call out caller 9435. Caller 9435, we welcome you to Africa on the Moon. Any comments or questions that you would like to share with our special guest today, Brother MacArthur? Caller 9435, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Thank you, bro. I'm just listening to your interesting program and congratulate your panelists and your speaker and to your audience. And it's just so fascinating. I followed the elections in Venezuela. I know there were 24 areas in the country that were up for elections of regional and mayoral ship. And that out of that, the party of Hugo Chavez, the Venezuelan Venezuelan Socialist Party, won 20 of the 24. So I am very happy with that. There's one one area that's still contested, I think, still being counted. But even if that goes to the opposition, it's minute. It means very little. So thank you for your guests. And thank you for your panelists. All right, Carlos. Thank you for your contribution to today's program. We thank you. Brother McCossell, also as a youth, as a member of SNCC, as um, those fighting for freedom and liberation, you understood the importance of networking and being in solidarity with other oppressed people and movements. Can you talk a little bit about your perspective of what's going on with the Palestinians today and why we should intensify our relationship and our very movements in terms of working more closely together? Talk a little bit more about the Palestinian question and its relationship well, to Africa and African people. Well, I, I've often heard, as far as my knowledge, the three worst crimes that have been committed on this earth uh, what they did to the native people that was on this land, North Central and so-called <clears throat> North Central South America, Caribbean, all these people that were living there, <clears throat> the genocide was committed on them, the rape of Africa and the slave trade and the committing genocide inside of Africa and the destruction of so many great kingdoms and empires and 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 knowledge of uh, <clears throat> of people and genocide of whole people and the genocide of the Palestinian people right before our very eyes taking place today. We see that the United States and European nations um, and the Zionist movement. Uh, which is related and connected to capitalist imperialist movement, um, have gone to a nation and committed genocide on the people and took their land and not only took their land, but took parts of the land of other nations that surrounded them. And they used the United States to bomb the surrounding nations and destroy them where they can have strength uh, to fight back. They have done 
uh, been bombing uh, Iraq for 20 years, look like. They have been bombing uh, Libya, well, Libya's part too, and they're bombing uh, Syria. They have destroyed and bringing destruction to Lebanon, and they have control ideologically and militarily and economically over uh, other areas, countries in that area. And that uh, so we see, and they got the Zionist propaganda machine going around the world that nobody in no area can say nothing about Zionism, expose what they're doing. If not, they come at you to punish you in different ways. So what's going on in Palestine is a threat to what they are doing and what they are planning to do to many other parts of the world. So you either speak up for Palestine now or you will need somebody to speak up for you in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, United States, somewhere in the Caribbean, uh, South America, uh, other nations, because this machine is running, it's running like a, a, a runaway train, and this machine that's in Palestine is also operating in Africa under Africon. They put armies and deadly armies and ammunitions and deadly weapons throughout Africa, preparing for major, major war, and we have to be ready for it. We have to be ready for it, and we know it's coming and that there are some nations that's holding them off as best they can, like in Venezuela, like in Nicaragua, like in Zimbabwe, like in Cuba. Cuba's held them for over 60, 70 years, and we thank Cuba, but Cuba needs all of us to support it, and we must all fight with Cuba, and we must all condemn every aspect of uh, the government and every aspect of the system that explore and oppress Cuba and any uh, news media or any other forces that speak and lie or uh, support what the United States is doing in Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Zimbabwe, Palestine, we must speak out. But Palestine is facing uh, genocide, and it's mass genocide, and, and it's disgraceful what they're doing, but if you see what they did to the native people, so-called Indians on this land, you'll see exactly what they're doing to Palestine. If you see what they did to us in in, 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 in uh, <coughs> Namibia, where the Germans committed genocide on the whole population, now the land is basically empty because there ain't no people there. The Germans killed most of them, and that's what they're doing in Africa and other parts of the world. So this machine, capitalist, imperialist, uh, colonialist, or even neo-colonialist, it's just dangerous. And that you got people that look like us that would kill us and bomb us and drop bombs on us uh, because they're imperialists for the imperialists, and they gladly do it. Look at Obama. Obama dropped bombs all over Africa. He killed his own people. Look what he did to Libya. He killed them, and 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 uh, he could never stand before the people and answer questions. He had to just get on the mic, say something, and run off the mic, or have a controlled discussion. But he can never face the people. 
And that so we have these neo-colonists all over the world. They let them have a million, two million, three million, and uh, they hope you know for them and their friends, just like politicians. But yet they continue to kill, murder, uh, rob, hold guns on the people, and be very selfish. They're concerned about nothing but they selfish self, selfishness. But Palestine is a is a worldwide movement, and the Zionists is a worldwide movement. That's committing genocide on the people, and that they control the news media, they control all the information about Palestine, and they make sure don't nobody talk about it, don't nobody tell what's going on. They hide it, hide it behind these football games, hide it behind the news, hide it behind the school books in the schools. Nobody allowed to talk about it. Teachers not allowed to talk about it. Preachers not allowed to talk about. What Israel, what Zionism is doing in Palestine, and that the, uh, we are under a hundred percent censorship, a hundred percent censorship uh, to keep the truth away from us. So uh, Palestine is Snick spoke out for Palestine and Egypt when the Zionists attacked Egypt and Palestine back in '67. Snick spoke out for it. And they destroyed our economics and, and 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 did everything they could against us, told every lie they could on us and whatever, and made a lot of Africans afraid of us, run from a lot of politicians were afraid to associate with SNCC because we spoke out and we stood on the truth. And when the truth arrived, we stood with it. When it came time to stand with Vietnam, and said the Vietnamese war was an imperialist war. It was a wrong war. They had no right to kill the Vietnamese people, and we would not participate in it. As a matter of fact, we would participate in fighting against the war and make the United States pull out and make the United States lose the war, and we participated 100%. And so that's the same for Palestine. We have to know what's going on in Palestine and be educated. So I guess I would think that if you listen close to Kwame Ture, or if you read Bob Brown's volumes of books he just wrote on history and what have you, I think you, uh, you'll benefit from it, those of you on that level. But then those of you uh, got to be able to read and then go and sit down and talk to many, many, many people and answer all the different questions that will come up. You have to answer the questions. You have to ask questions and then answer the questions for the people. And see what you people want to know. Go and be a part of every local organization if these kinds of things are on the agenda. We have to educate the masses of the people. We need people that will go to the masses of the people. On that note, we're going to pause for the calls. And when we come back, we'll get our final thought with Brother Mikasa on the theme tonight a discussion with a rough steer pan Africanist. Cuba, Venezuela, Ethiopian trend, and the Pan-African movement. This is Africa on the Moon. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries. Their freedom almost gone. Palestine. 
needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine... Needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race and creed, we need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed, plant the seed of love, and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone, so all the world will know that Palestine Needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine. Palestine needs her freedom. Needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name, surprisingly enough. It's an important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yeah. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Okay. One nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, Let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that. that oppose your imperialism. He's going to tell you who it is. Lumumba was democracy. Mosaddegh. Allende. There you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that's mm-hmm. his music. Bust a beat for me. Right? All right, sure. After you divorce yourself from the right wing propaganda campaign, it's all simple and plain. America can stand the game. Your president got an African name. Now who you gon' blame when they drop the bombs out of them planes using depleted uranium? Babies looking like two-headed aliens. Follow the money trail that leads to the criminal. 
subliminal Ain't nothing subliminal to it That's how they do it See the game they run Give a fuck if he's cunning Articulate and handsome Afghanistan held for ransom By the hand of this black man Neo-colonial puppet White power with a black face He said fuck it I'll do it A master of the skies Expert at telling lies Then they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize Should've known he was trained in Chicago Worker chairman Fred and Mark Clark What they do in the dark Will come out in the light Like a WikiLeaks site So I guess the crew was right Who's ready to fight Last stage of imperialism I ain't kidding In the immortal words of Marvin Gaye This ain't living and Malia are huge fans, but uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you, predator drones. You will never see it coming. You think I'm joking? Special guest today, Brother McCossum, to give us his final thought 
on the theme tonight, we have a discussion with a rubbish there Pan-Africanist from Cuba, Venezuela, Ethiopia, and Trend, and the Pan-African movement. Father McCossel, give us your final take on this theme tonight, and also share with our listening audience, for those who may would like to invite you to our community, uh, to our church, to the university, etc. how can they reach you? So the mic is now yours, Brother McCossel. No problem. My email is willyrick at comcast.net. willyrick, W-A-L-L-A-E-R-I-C-K-S, at comcast.net. <clears throat> My phone number is open, 678-777-4361. And I'm always ready. Uh, secondly, <clears throat> I would like to say that Bambosi and I are investigating the Potosara, um and the revolution that's going on in that delta out there. And we want to take a trip out there and go check it out and see what's going on in that uh, liberated struggle that's going on there. And we want to go and we want to support the Eritrea, Ethiopia, uh, 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 Somalia, and the East African Revolution, of course, Yemen. And the East African, and the revolution going on in East Africa, but it's part of the whole African revolution. And that we all must stand up and protest, speak out uh, for Africa, and especially for Ethiopia and the war that's going on there now. The United States is putting all kind of weapons inside of Ethiopia. What they do is go <coughs> and any uh, opposition group that you have to the government in any form, they make it a hostile uh, uh, behavior, and they bring in bombs and guns and bag them by airplane strikes and whatever to fight against the government. So the United States is bringing armies into uh, Ethiopia to fight Ethiopia and blow it up just like they have done uh, Syria and and, uh, Lebanon and and, and, uh, 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 Iraq. Uh, Libya uh, And many many other countries around the world And they want to destabilize Africa and continue To colonize it And to re- and, and insla- Keep it enslaved And re-enslaved And uh, so we have to Prepare to fight uh, The United States government Whether Democrat or Republican Democrats are killing us right now Over in Africa Under the leadership of the Democratic Party and Biden is an international murderer, international colonialist, an international imperialist, working for the same system. All of them work together, but we have to defend Africa and don't be fooled by uh, the enemy. Fight for Africa, and Africa must unite, and we'll never be free until we have a united socialist Africa. Again, Brother Mikasa, how can they reach out to you again? Uh, Willie Ricks, W-A-L-L-I-E-R-I-C-K-S, at Comcast.net. And my number is 678 777 4361. 678 777 4361. I'd love to hear from you and, and thank you, African. Okay, on that note, Brother Ricks, we'd like to thank you for taking your time out. 
to come and share this valuable information to our listening audience. And like always, we'd like to thank you for what you have done in the past for our people and what you will continue to do as it relates to the liberation of African people and moving humanity forward. We thank you for your presence, for being on this program well, thank tonight. You. We thank you. Thank you. Me and Bambosia and the rest of us are going to march forward. All right, listen, audience, this is Africa on the Move. Like we said sometime, we may not give you what you want, but we definitely try to give you what you need. You have heard directly from Brother Mikasa speaking truth to the powerless and the powerful. We will continue this discussion, what's going on now in the community. By now, I'm bringing back our political panelists and analysts for the day, and we let them talk a little bit about their world and their community, what's going on now in their community. We start out with Brother Haki. Brother Haki, what's going on in your world and the community, Brother Haki? Well, Brother Africa, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, uh, you know, when I think of this, this Build Back Better uh, Act that they uh, passed in the Congress, uh, it's very interesting because one of the things they did in terms of this particular act was they actually implemented a tax cut, uh, you know, for the very, very wealthy. The so-called SALT or state and local taxes, they actually uh, capped income earnings uh, from 10000 to $80,000. So in order to be taxed, uh, taxes don't kick in until until you're making uh, $80,000. And so clearly for people who are wealthy, that constitutes a real tax cut. But, it, you know, so it does have some benefit in terms of the poor, uh, but the problem is that, uh, you know, this, this, this particular act, uh, when, you, when you think about in terms of the kind of dollars that are lost, uh, you know, by providing tax breaks to the to the to the wealthy. And now keep in mind, of course, when we talk about these tax cuts, keep in mind that Trump also implemented tax cuts for the very wealthy. You got to understand that it's going to result in a real um, dislocation of the economy. And so when we talk about the kind of economy, we don't think we got to be very, very clear on. Uh, when, when we when we talk about the need for money to circulate through the system, that is precisely what you have to have in terms of having a viable economy. As opposed to having seeking a viable economy, they create these 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 uh these 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 tax laws which in fact not only shields the wealthy, but prevent the wealthy from actually paying their fair share of taxes, which means that uh, the overall decline of the economy actually uh inha- increases. Now I'm thinking about the fact that, you know, when you talk about the kind of schemes that they employed in terms of getting around paying taxes, you know, some of the some of the kind of schemes that imported things like the marginal tax rate. Of course, when you talk about the marginal tax rate, of course, you're talking about, you know, uh, those taxes minus uh, itemized deductions. And so, therefore, given your income, uh, you qualify for certain itemized deductions. Clearly, those individuals who are wealthy uh, can itemize uh, uh, their, their, uh, their, uh, their, their wealth uh, much more conveniently than those people who are poor who don't have anything to itemize. So, clearly, that is, that is, that is a problem. Also, when we talk about, you know, in terms of this scheme, in terms of avoid, tax avoidance, this question in terms of credit interest, and which is very ironic. So we talk about in this country how wealthy people, you know, uh, get paid simply to be wealthy. Uh, one of the things that we talk about the credit interest. Now, interestingly, when we talk about credit interest, all you're saying that this is money paid to investors simply for investing. So if I invest, if I invest $100 in the, as, as, an, as, a, as an investor, I get back ten thousand dollars in terms of in terms of tax refunds. So clearly, you know, I'm being compensated simply because I'm wealthy, not because of the thing I do in terms of contributing to the overall economy. 
So it's very, very ironic that this kind of thing exists. And also when we talk about the kind of accounting schemes, particularly when we talk about inventories and depreciation, and we talk about these kind of things, which justify, you know, putting more pockets into the more money into the pockets of the wealthy, it does it's come at a disadvantage, you know, to the overall economy. And one thing people gotta understand that when you talk about this kind of giveaway to wealthy people and as it means succinctly is that what you're saying is that uh, not only are you starving the economy, but you ensure the, the economy is going to, at some point it's going to collapse. And the problem is that, of course, one of the things they have to do in terms of, you know, understand this reality, one of the things they have to do is they have to have scapegoats in terms of blaming for the decline of the economy. Uh, one of the things that I'm very much concerned about, because people don't understand the nature of the economy, they don't understand how it works, they tend to believe that the working people are, in fact, the problem in terms of the decline of the economy, never understanding that the seeds of destruction are sold into the system or the capitalist system itself. And people often don't understand that. And one of the things, you know, in, in terms of this, the whole question in terms of monetary tax rate or current, or current interest, one of the things when you talk about the qualitative easing, when you talk about this excessive money printing, and when you create the situation where you're constantly giving money to wealthy people, trillions of dollars, uh, by giving trillions of dollars to wealthy people, that means there's less wealth for others. And the problem is that by creating less wealth for others, the, qu- the question becomes, how are you going to reinvigorate the economy if, if you don't have any money going through the system? If all the money is tied up among the wealthy, who, of course, use that money for not only for investments, they also need to put that money off, off you know, offshore accounts. When they do that, it means that there is, there is that, that money that is better needed in terms of you know, expanding the system, particularly expanding the money supply, simply doesn't exist, which means that the economy suffers, which means that the economy eventually collapses. And people don't understand the seriousness when we talk about the, uh, the, the precariousness or the instability of capitalism when we say, please understand that, you know, what these people are doing is, 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 is detrimental. It's very destructive to the economy. But what you have to understand is that someone must be blamed, you know, someone must be blamed, you know, for this decline. Now, when I talk about the stimulating economy, the things that interest about this Build Back Better, the so-called Build Back Better Act, you know, for, you know, things that will be a real benefit to the economy, like, you know, child tax credit for the working poor, will be a benefit to the economy by putting more money in state coffers, which means increasing their, their tax bases, make it possible in terms of the elevation of, of employment. Or when you talk about Medicare, uh, which is a benefit to the state, which means that you increase money to the state coffers, which is, is desperately needed. Uh, vision and dental care, interestingly enough, when you talk about vision and dental care, one of the things is that, you know, by uh, something as simplistic as dental care can contribute to less, uh, uh, less medical problems. Uh, certainly vision is, is also key in terms of eliminating uh, uh, mistakes, which leads to possible medical care. So it seems to me in the long run, when you talk about visual and dental care, it's in the government's long-term interest, uh, from not from a monetary standpoint, to implement those kinds of those, those kind of those kind of acts because it's beneficial, you know, to the to the economy overall. And of course, when you talk about reduction of restriction drug practices, it's very very good because aside from having a more healthy economy, you actually create a situation you put more money in people's pockets, and by putting more money in people's pockets. You create more disposable income for people to invest in the economy, which is good for in terms of employment and services those the states need in terms of carrying on. So clearly, you know, there's, 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 when you talk about logic in terms of how capitalism works, a logic is often um, stood on its head. And so, therefore, what we think is logical uh, is, in fact, illogical. And so this is the thing we understand. And we understand when we talk about the implicit threat in terms of capitalism, you know, as it unwinds, as it deconstructs, 
as it falls, we better damn well understand that someone must be held accountable. Someone must be scapegoated. It seems to me as an African person in society, uh, we should be damn clear that when it comes to being scapegoated, nobody fits that bill more perfectly than African people. So clearly, Brother Africa, uh, people got to be, people should be, particularly in the African community, uh, working people should be very, very concerned about the decline of this economy and the kind of self-inflicted destruction that's been imposed by the very, very wealthy. And I'll close with that. I hear you, Brother Haki. You're telling people they better heed the call. As some would say out on the streets, the white man hell is a what? The African man hell. Let's move on to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world in the community, Brother Anthony? Okay. Uh, let's see a uh, few things. One, uh, at home first. Uh, it seems as if the scramble for control of Africa's resources and labor is intensifying, uh, judging by the number of, uh, of uh, coup d'etats that have taken place recently uh, in various parts of Africa, in particular uh, Sudan uh, and uh, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Somalia and Mali, and uh, and I think uh, you know I think you know uh, Africans need to intensify their efforts to unify soon, or we could be subject to uh, the recolonization of Africa that Nkrumah predicted. It, uh, years ago, if we failed to unite. Also, uh, let's see. Uh, in uh, in the U.S., uh, to follow up on the on the on the point that uh, that Mukasa made uh, regarding uh, the Democratic Party being a party of the slaveocracy, which a lot of, which a lot of us don't understand. Uh, let's see, uh, the Michael, uh family, father and son, were convicted of the murder of Armand Aubrey in, uh, in Georgia uh, uh, since, uh, since our program uh, last week. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, as a friend of mine pointed out, uh let's see um uh let, 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 let's see uh people would have been off, uh you know would have been fired up had that, had they not been convicted and uh i bring this up in connection to our discussion with mukasa earlier in the fact that the uh that the the law the uh, citizens' arrest law argument that the Michaels used uh, for their defense was based on legislation that was passed in Georgia during the 19th century, during the days of chattel slavery, and uh, they used that to justify, uh, you know, the shooting of uh, Armada Aubrey. And uh, interesting enough, that law finally got repealed as a result of this case. 
But, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I find it, uh, you know, that it took something like this to, to you know, to be, uh, to be public air to get that, uh, to get that law eliminated. But it seems like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Euro- Europeans are increasingly taking the law into their own hands to be uh, judge. Uh, jury and uh, and jury when it comes to killing uh, uh, Africans. So we have to be aware and we have to intensify a level of political organization and the education of our people. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Going from Brother Anthony, we bring in, let's see, we got Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world in the community? Brother Moses. I think Brother Anthony hit the nail on the head. Uh, these three white supremacists uh, were convicted, and uh, I think that was a good thing that shows that uh, um, that the imperialist forces have not uh, totally saturated the minds and hearts of everybody, and that you know there is still a, a, a glimmer of hope that uh, and uh, uh, meanwhile. I, I agree with everything the brother said tonight. Uh, um, ideally, um, in a perfect world where there was there's the left and the right, uh, but you know my problem is is with with, with fascism and uh, and the threat of fascism and and what we need to do to to counter that threat. Uh, and so that's where my problem lies. But uh, we did, we definitely need to unite in, a, in an independent or a party, independent of the Democrats and Republicans, in order to to get rid of this oppressive system. There's no question about that. Uh, 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 what what whether we can do more than one thing at a given moment in time is becomes the issue. Uh, uh, in terms of uniting and organizing, and uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm really thinking uh, uh, heavily about what has been said tonight, and I want I want to want to uh, uh, assess the situation again, and uh, and see if see if my position is is holding water or not. But uh, uh, anyway, I, I appreciate having the brother going and uh, and his insights. It's definitely a revolutionary position. Thank you. Thank you, brother Moses. Hopefully, we can um, have the issue with Sister Eleanor. We can come to Eleanor. See if her mic is working. Sister Eleanor, the mic is yours. What's going on in your Thank world you. in the community? Well, I'd like to thank our guest first of all. It was uh it's good to hear a solid historical analysis on uh the situation and I I wish when the brother was talking about SNCC that he would have given the full name. Uh maybe I missed it, but it was a, a wonderful uh historic uh presentation. 
Um, right now, Brother Africa, what's happening is I follow with Brother Anthony. Um, it took uh, 121 years to repeal this old citizen's arrest law where uh, under Jim Crow and these old oppressive laws where black people or people could be arrested by anyone for anything and alleged to have, oh, even to allege to have owed someone a debt and their labor could be uh, sold to another person to pay off that debt to the debt key. Now, that was backdoor slavery. And we've endured all of that in this country. And Georgia finally appealed one of those backwards laws. And and congratulations on the state of Georgia. That Not the state of Georgia, but one county in Georgia who stood up for what was right for human, the human rights and the life of a man shot while jogging, a black man shot while jogging. And uh, we saw the week before where Kyle Rittenhouse, with his $2 million-plus uh, legal defense fund, uh, used fear as a factor. In, in why, and his defense of property, uh, automobile dealership, uh, was the reason for three people being shot, two of them dying. Brother Africa, we see so much going on in this world, and the reality is to be able to do more than one thing at a time. We're going to have to unite millions, tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people in this country uh, for our revolution because the rich are too heavy. They're not paying any taxes, and the economy, as Brother Haki said, is going to collapse because the working class can't afford it. They can tax us to the teeth but we still can't afford to pay for everything. And people like Bill Gates and others simply establish a 501c3 in their name and uh, disenfranchise the planet. Now, uh, we saw where uh, Israel had a, a cyber, these cyber attacks of Israel the impact it had in Mexico during the elections in September. We we saw the impact it's having on Iran when they shut down 4,300 gas stations. We know that there is water shortages, and uh, we understand that there are water shortages in Iran and Syria. We know that there's an incredible famine in Yemen. Children are dying every few seconds. And we understand there is strife in Ethiopia that the Tigray are living in famine conditions and are leaving the country by the hundreds of thousands. So there is a crisis, but the U.S. can't solve it with bombs. Where people need food and water, you bring food and water. 
But there's a new crisis that's brewing domestically. Last week, Brother Africa, it was 65 degrees in Denver, Colorado. And the people in four states depend on the water from the snow in the Rockies, their water source. And if there's no winter, if it's 65 degrees, there's no snow. If it's 65 degrees on Thanksgiving week. So we see uh, global warming um, about to affect 40, further affect 40 million people in the Southwest with the uh, climatic conditions, these warm winter conditions. And this is a crisis in the making, Brother Africa. So we'll see further. We'll see farmers lose their land. We see indigenous people being threatened. And, Brother Africa, this is the last week of Indigenous Peoples Month, of Native Americans Month. And um, I hope uh, I stand in solidarity with uh, all Native Americans. Uh, we haven't heard what's going on with that pipeline coming through South Dakota, but we do know this. We've seen the dogs attacking demonstrators. We've seen armed guards and people bulldozing uh, right in front of the demonstrators, and now there's been a blackout. So what we need more than anything, Brother Africa, is get the super rich off of the neck of journalism so that people can begin to do and relearn the art of journalism, investigative journalism, and to back up off of the Reagan uh, situation where he decided that there didn't have to be truth in journalism, that you could take an opinion. But after this is the 40th year of the Reagan revolution, privatization. It's left us starving and suffering in every area, era, area of our economy. And we've seen the rich finding new ways, but now we have the government cutting taxes, cutting taxes. Well, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Biden, Elizabeth, uh, um, the woman that ran against Biden, she talks about a tax on the rich. Well, we better do something in this country because the 27 countries in the EU are going to set a tax on at, on the rich. Everybody's saying 25%. You can't put it in a 501c3. You can't do that. But keep in mind, this free economy here makes everybody uh, who incorporates a person. And so the capitalists from abroad, from Europe, will be setting up shop here and have already begun to with these enterprise zones. Uh, the brother was talking about building housing. Well, right now, there are people in the nation's capital paying their rent to people abroad, and they don't even know it. So, Brother Africa, I just want to thank you for another wonderful show. I um, want to thank all of the analysts. I'm sorry that I was trying to respond to you, and I 
couldn't get through, but uh, it was uh, uh, a wonderful walk through history. And the Palestinians have been so marginalized and polarized until people, it, we have to fight the social injustice and the misinformation to keep their struggle alive, to keep the struggle of Black Lives Matter. And we, Kwame and Toure would say that there was a step forward in 2020 when whites came out to support blacks. Because the only way we're going to have revolution in this country and form coalitions, quote unquote, is that whites begin to educate the racist whites and the backwards people in their own communities. They're not going to hear it from me, Brother Africa, or from you. But I'm just an ordinary person, but they're not going to listen to a black scholar either, or like your analyst. However, we saw a change, and we have to believe that we can step forward. And and the boat may be a small thing, Brother Africa, but it's a mighty thing. Because whether or not, because as the brother said, if we fail to remember our history, we will repeat it. And black folks couldn't vote so long ago in this country. And for some reason, I understand the Voters' Rights Act had to have some kind of, it would come up every 25 years before Congress. Now, I need to do more investigation to find out how that works. But voting is an important thing. And more than half the states in this republic have passed laws to limit, restrict, and to make it impossible for millions of Americans to vote in the 2024 election. So we better stay woke, as someone might say. And thank you so much for this evening's show, and thank you for allowing my participation. And have a wonderful week. And let's stay in unity with our Native American brothers and sisters. Thank you. Thank you, Eleanor. This is Africa on the Move. What we're going to do is take a call for take a pause for the call. So when we come back, we're going to give everyone a chance to get, make their final comment. Before we go on station break, I would like to just remind everyone who would like to be a participant of what's going on in our world community, you can email us at africaonthemove2.gmail.com. We welcome all comments, criticisms, even new ideas by communicating to us at africaonthemove2.gmail.com. So we're going to a quick break, and then we'll be closing out the program with everyone else's final thoughts. This is Africa on the Moon. And one reason why we have this particular program is because we are not yet free.
That's right. That song is a reminder that we are not yet free. Welcome back to Africa on the Moon. This is the 28th day of November, 2021. Our theme tonight was a discussion with a revolutionary pan-Africanist, Cuba, Venezuela, Ethiopia, and the pan-African movement. We'd like to thank Brother McCarthy for his contribution to today's program as well as an update for the Million Woman Movement March, our sister Ember Chi. And like always, we'd like to thank you, the listening audience, for allowing us to come to your homes this evening where we can speak truth to the powerless and the powerful. What we're going to do right now in our final closing, we're at each one of our participants uh, to share a few minutes with our final thoughts on today's program. But before we do this, Let's just give you a quick reminder of some important events or announcements that you should put on your calendar. One of the announcements you should put on your calendar and try to do in terms of joining us, that's Africa on the Moon in association with the African Awareness Association and other African organizations. You come and see for yourself, Revolutionary Cuba, the African Awareness Association will take its annual Black History Educational and Cultural Travel Challenge. And this will be a travel challenge in solidarity with the people. We made a call out to all of the educators, artists, African women, activists to come and join us. There will be a visit to Santiago de Cuba and Havana. The date of this particular travel challenge is from July the 23rd to July the 31st leaving from Cancun, Mexico. It's a seven-night all-inclusive tour. So if you are interested, please contact the African Awareness Association either by going to their website at www.aaa-cubatours.com or email them at African Awareness Association 2 at gmail. So come and join us. Come and show your solidarity with your brothers and sisters in Cuba. And um, 
I'm going to learn something from that revolution. So on that note, put that down on your agenda. And the next announcement is we just would like to remind you to, to, to support Pan-African Roots and our brother, who's an author and writer, Bob Brown. They just released two-volume books titled We Demand the Full Disclosure and Digitization of All Slavery Era Records. You can find out more information on how you can get this book by going to the website www.a-aprp.gc.org. That's the All African People of Shepard GC website. Check out, purchase your book, and make sure you increase your knowledge on the history and struggle of the world and your people. So right now, we're going to go to the final um, thoughts for tonight. Those who are still with us, we'll give you a chance to make some final comments. We're going to go to this caller 4298 to see if there are any final thoughts that he will make, he would like to make for today's program. Caller, your last four numbers is 4298. 4298, 4298, Brother Moses. Okay. Um, I just want to make it clear that we definitely need an independent party independent of the Republicans and Democrats uh, that's capable of carrying out revolution, which means it has to be guided by revolutionary theory. The correctness or incorrectness of the ideological political land will be decisive. And uh, my, my, my uh, problem is the united front against fascism and, um, and what that means in terms of Donald Trump and the fascist forces that are brewing within the U.S. of A. And so with that, I'll just say have a good night. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Mosley, like always, for your contribution to today's program. We still have with us Brother Mikasa. Brother Mikasa, give us your final thoughts for tonight. Brother Mikasa. Africa must unite, and we must fight for socialism. I want to hear y'all using that word and trying to define socialism more. Socialism means you take over all the economic resources and everything else, and you solve your own problem, build your own nation. And we need a worldwide party, a worldwide African party, worldwide socialist party, include our people all over the world and include revolutionaries from all over the world. A socialist party. We African it'll be African based, but a socialist party worldwide. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Mikasa. Brother Eleanor. Sister Sister Eleanor, your final thought. Sister Eleanor. Well, Brother Africa, I want to share something that Harriet Tudman said. You know, she was told, Oh, you freed a thousand slaves. And she said, I could have freed more, but they didn't know. So the answer is, Brother Africa, education and information. She couldn't free more people because they didn't have the information to know that they were slaves and what slaves were. So, again, Harriet Tubman said, someone told Harriet, you freed a thousand slaves. She said, I could have freed more. They just didn't know. So information, education leads to liberation. But agreeing with Brother Moses, we have seen something that we haven't seen in this country in our lifetime. 
and that's a fascist movement. Donald Trump's people out there going Donald Trump in 2024. It doesn't matter whether it's Trump, but he's tens of millions of people strong, these fascists. You know, we've gone through a series of things in this country. We went through Reagan. <laughs> then we went through the Bush years and these two failed, the, uh, uh, the erroneous attack on the Iraqi people. Uh, then we've seen uh, uh, a leap in the number of billionaires and, and these super rich. And they're spending their time idly going out in space rather than uh, paying their workers. And and these conspiracy theories. And now we have something new that can affect um, uh, human rights issues and 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 human services. When somebody can use their computer in another country to shut down all your gas pumps when someone can take over your utility plant and slow down the output of electricity or cut your phones off. So, Brother Africa, there are new factors that we face today that we did not face even 20, a decade ago, let alone two decades ago. So we do need a separate party, but we also have to stand up against fascism. Capitalism is a beast, but fascism is a killer. Don't forget, we've seen it before. We saw it with Hitler. We saw it with Mussolini. We saw it with Franco. And we've seen it before our very eyes with Donald Trump in the United States, Bolsonaro in Brazil. We see, as the brother said, this Neo-colonialists in Nigeria. We we see what's happening in Yemen. We've seen what's happening to the Palestinian people every day for more than a half a century. So there's there's a new day, and and that is a day that we must all justice loving people all environmentalists, all human rights activists, all socialists. We need to find a common cause, and that common cause is one thing, fighting fascism. So with that, Brother Africa, I'd like to thank the sister and the brother, your guest, once again. It was wonderful, Uh, just wonderful, their contributions to your show, and thank you so much. And... uh, Remember what Harriet said, if they had only known, I could have done more. So with that in mind, education is liberation. Thank you, Brother Africa. Good night. And thank you, fellow panelists and guests and listeners. Good night, Sister Eleanor, and thank you. Brother Haki, your final thoughts for tonight. Well, Brother Africa, you know, one of the things when we talk about the the destructive nature of capitalism, uh, we can't exclude the fact that when we talk about destructiveness, we got to talk about how it affects the human being, the human psyche. Uh, One of the things, there's an article recently recently published, talked about drug overdose in the U.S. 
specifically it talked about synthetic opiates uh, in terms of the overdoses that are taking place in this country. Uh, it talked about, you know, fentanyl, methadone, and trans, excuse me, uh, tramadol as being the leading causes of deaths in the United States. Now, the report going to say that over 100,000 people died from a year ago. And according to the CDC, uh, that's been a 29% increase in terms of drug overdose from a year ago. Uh, Interestingly enough, it also talks about the fact, this report, it says that 640 deaths are attributed to synthetic opioids. Now, what what is interesting is Interesting about that. Now, in the state that is most impacted by this opioid epidemic is Delaware, New Hampshire, New Jersey, and South Dakota. Now, this is important because when we talk about these drugs, these synthetic drug uh, opiate, synthetic opiate uh, um, overdoses, we're talking about when we talk about these four states in particular, we're talking about four states that are heavily uh, populated by white individuals. In particular, we talk about a heavy uh, populated by a heavy, a great number of poor white people. And so when we talk about this poor, this, this, this abundance, this, this, this exuberant amount of poor white people in these particular four particular states who consume with drug addiction, uh, one thing is you got to understand that given the, the nature of capitalism, one of the things that the capitalists seek to do is to capitalize on any situation that they can use as benefits. Certainly one of the things capitalism wants to do is to want to make damn sure they have some foot soldiers to, to defend the capitalist class. And so when we talk about militias and we talk about these Nazi groups and talk about people like these, these groups represent the, the front line in terms of uh, protecting the, the capitalist class. Of course, you have the police who do a very good job in terms of protecting capitalist interests. But more importantly, because uh, the police are outnumbered by the masses of people, you need, these, you need a, a much larger uh, group of foot soldiers to carry out the capitalist interests in terms of protecting the capitalists. And so when we talk, so when we talk about those drug addictions that are sweeping, you know, the nation. Uh, we talk about this over 100,000 people from last year. When we talk about this, this number of people, we got to understand that the psychological impacts are very, very clear. And one of the things that we got, we got to understand is that when we talk about this, this addiction in terms of opiate addiction psychologically, one thing we got to understand that the need in terms of to enhance is one's self-image. And so when we talk about the kind of trials and tribulations in terms of growing up in society which essentially says that you're nobody unless you got money, does adequately does adequately impact your self-esteem. And so this question in terms of how do you elevate your self-esteem becomes a very important question. In that context, the question in terms of using propaganda in terms of enhancing one's self-esteem is something that the state could use in terms of motivating these people or conditioning these people to become foot soldiers for the capitalist class. Also, when we respect depression, one of the things that's also interesting is that, you know, when we talk about depression, uh, you know, um, you know, the desire for people to latch on to that which makes them feel better is, is 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 very very apparent, and so therefore, if you can create a situation where you have groups and groups of people who are say uh, advocating on behalf of the state, uh, to be part of that group is to give you some type of uh, some type of dinner to make you feel better in terms of your condition, and so what it really does is mask the kind of depression that you feel, but nonetheless, is effective in terms as a tool. When you talk about the state's ability in terms of using propaganda to motivate people, to condition people to carry out his will, this will be a perfect opportunity to do such. Uh, you know, so this is one of the dangers when we talk about the kind of depression or the state of depression that it manifests itself in the society among, among the populace. And lastly, I would say that, Brother Africa, you know, when you talk about, you know, uh, when you talk about 
you know, capitalism in terms of how it functions. And you talk about, you know, you know, uh, you know, employing self, you employ defenses. That is key because one of the things in terms of a society which says that, you know, that says that you're nobody, you know, that material things define who you are as a human being. In that kind of context, of course, one of the things you want to do is create some type of uh, uh, avenue in your mind in which you employ some self-deception in terms of being able to cope with the fact that society is saying you're nobody, but then internally you're saying that you are somebody. So employing self-deception and this notion that, you know, that uh, exaggerating sense of who you, sense of self becomes important in terms of, you know, who you are as a human being. And so one of the things, so we talk about this employing self-deception, which is so important, one of the things, if the government or the state gives legitimacy to, to, to not see in, 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 in racist movements in a society, uh, certainly joining with these groups gives you a sense of being somebody, a simple sense of accomplishment. Uh, it certainly exaggerates a sense of who you are. And so this is a concern we, we have to have and we respect when we talk about the role of propaganda in society. And so when we talk about historically, there's this ability of the governments to manipulate people, to get them to carry out their agenda. Uh, even though the agenda is not in the interest of the people, uh, the ability of the government to get the people to carry out its agenda is, 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 uh, is in part and parcel of the mental condition of the people, of the mental state of the people in terms of as they navigate you know, such a, a chaotic system like capitalism. And finally, I want to say, Brother Africa, you know, one of the things that, you know, one of the things they're advocating, they're advocating $11 billion to, um, for uh, substance abuse treatment. But this, this, this treatment it's to take place in 2022. It's very, very interesting, you know, uh, given the fact that you have cocaine, heroin, uh, these crack, crack addictions, you know, in the urban cities. Nobody has mentioned anything about in terms of, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, allocating funds for the purpose of treating, you know, cocaine, crack, and uh, cocaine addiction. But the moment uh, that happens in terms of uh, but predominantly white uh, communities, then it becomes an issue. So that in itself speaks volumes in terms of the kind of complicity, the kind of desire of the state in terms of liquidating or killing off African people uh, in, terms, uh, uh, in terms of, you know, um, a lot of the things that it does. So clearly, Brother Africa, this is, this, this is, this is very, very problematic, it, and of course it's problematic for African people as well, but in particular so it's very problematic in terms of the, the ability of the state uh, to use uh, its propaganda to motivate or to condition these people who are the most vulnerable. So clearly, Brother Africa, it is an issue, and as always, Brother Africa, you know, I always encourage people, you know, it's important, you know, to, to unravel the matrix, uh, because without unraveling the matrix, there is no way conceivable to move forward in terms of, you know, just what we have to do in terms of moving forward. We talked tonight a lot about Pan-Africanism. Pan-Africanism is the key in terms of moving the world, not just African people, but moving the world forward to existence unless we have mass organization, as the brother alluded to, on a worldwide scale. So we need that kind of organization. We need that consciousness, but it's going to take work. It's not going to come to you. You have to actually do some reading in terms of appreciating the importance in terms of Pan-Africanism, the importance in terms of organization institutions in the African community in terms of moving forward. And having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. And do the same, Brother Hackey. We thank you as well for your contribution to today's program. And we will now move to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight. My final thought for tonight is I agree with Mukasa. We need to build that mass Pan-African political party 
that he's calling for. And uh, there are forces in the world that are working on that task as we speak. And uh, one such uh, organization is the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. We are a very small, poor party at present. However, we are trying to build the uh, this mass Pan-African political party for the achievement of Pan-Africanism. And uh, to find out more about our efforts in this regard, you can visit our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org, where you can also find out more, uh, more information about Bob's latest book. We demand the disclosure of all, uh, of all the uh, uh, slavery era and this is a, a false slavery era records, volumes one and two. In addition to that, you can learn more about the history of uh, Pan-Africanism and the history of our party, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. And uh, I would uh, encourage people to check that website out. And above all else, join an organization that is working for our people's liberation. Thank you for having me, and have a good night. Thank you, Brother Afton. To listen to the audience, he has given me a challenge to check out the African people's Revolutionary Party GC website by going to www.a-aprp-gc.org. To our listening audience and our supporters and friends and allies, let's do this thing together. Let's unite against the imperialist forces. And with that, we just like to say to our brothers and sisters that we may take the African out of Africa, but you can't take Africa out of the Africans. We are all Africans. We are one. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same station, and spread the word. Again, for any views or comments, program or others, please email us at AfricaOnTheMove2 at gmail.com. So, from time to time, we must remind you, because sometimes we have separate of who we are. So we leave you with music uh, inspiration. This has been Africa on the Moon.
for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.